All right, you can turn in your Bibles tonight to Psalm 105, Psalm 105, and uh, we'll be here uh, in this passage tonight, and I trust it will be a blessing and encouragement to your heart and your life. And while you're turning there, understand that the devil decided to have a garage sale. You can kind of picture that in your mind's eye. And on the day of the sale, he had his tools out for public inspection, and each one was uh, marked with a price. And there was all kinds of horrible-looking instruments. There was hatred and envy and jealousy and deceit and lust and lying and pride and so on. You know, all these tools the devil uses. But set apart from the rest of these tools was a harmless-looking tool. Uh, It was quite worn, but the price was still really high. And so someone, one of the customers, asked him, what is that tool? What's the name of that tool? And Satan said, that's discouragement. That's discouragement. And he said, why have you priced this particular tool so high? I mean, the others were priced at least more reasonably. And here's what he said. He said, because it's more useful than the others. I can pry open and get inside a man's heart with that, even when I cannot get near him with the other tools. It is badly worn because I use it on almost everyone, since so few people know it belongs to me. And you know what? I understand the one who wrote this little story uh, tells us that the devil's price was so high on that particular tool, the tool of discouragement, he never sold it. It's still his major tool, and he still uses it on people today, God's people. Now, I wonder, don't answer out loud, but do you ever get discouraged? Now, I know some people, some people can get discouraged a little quicker and easier than other people. And then some people, it takes quite a bit to get them discouraged. But you know what? Very few of us never get discouraged. I mean, if people are honest, somewhere along the way in your life, you say, you know what? I do get discouraged from time to time. Most of us are not like the man that Larry Olson wrote about. Larry Olson wrote this about a man in his book, Outdoor Survival Skills. Have you ever read that one? Outdoor Survival Skills. Here's what he said. He describes a man lost in the desert. He's been out of food and water for days. His lips are swollen. His tongue is swollen. He's all beat up and bloody. Some of his bones are almost peeking through. He has been scraped and beat up by the cactus and sand and sun. He's blistered. And he's crawling over this little hill. He comes across a little plant and props himself up on one bloody elbow, looks down at the plant and says this, you know, if things keep going like this, I might get discouraged. Now, most of us are not like that. We would already be discouraged back when it talked about running out of food and water, much less swollen lips and a swollen tongue. But I want to ask you, do you ever get discouraged? I'll be honest, I do. You know, just this past week, we had, I had to face that a little bit. Um, you know, Sunday, we had a great service. You know, we were in God's Word. We talked about the family. And we closed the service of all those couples, all those men and women renewing their marriage vows. It was awesome. And uh, our family went out to eat after uh, Sunday, and we went to Hamlet to visit Rebecca. And we were there, and while we were there, the phone, my phone rang, and it was Steve. And Steve simply said, has anybody called you to tell, me, tell you what's going on at church? Now, I kind of assumed that he wasn't calling to tell me that revival had broken out <laughs> or that a, a millionaire had dropped by and, and wrote a big check or anything. I kind of had an inkling of a feeling this was not going to be good news. And he told me, of course, about the flood and there. He says, we're ripping out the carpet and all this. And, and I'm thinking, OK. And, and uh, we hung up and finished our visit, Rebecca, and we stopped by. We had to stop by Walmart there and, and pick up a few things. And 
By the time we made it back here, everybody was done and gone, and we pulled up, and, and I saw we saw the bags, and I walked in, and I'll be honest, that was a little bit discouraging, because we just talked about it, just a couple hours before, I just talked about, let's have this big, you know, grab this big penny drive, we're going to knock some money off this thing, and I thought, how much is this going to cost now? You know, when you drive up in the parking lot and there's carpet from the church laying out in the parking lot, you know it can't be good. And I was tempted to be a little bit discouraged. I did say this as I walked in the church store there. I said, God, this is your church. You can do whatever you want. Now, I, I, my heart wasn't in it as it ought to have been, but I just kind of went to say, God, this is your church. You can do whatever you want to with it. Because that, that could have been very discouraging. It was, it was somewhat discouraging, I'll be honest with you. We've been studying the apostates on Wednesday nights. We've been in the little book of Jude. Those have been with us for some time now. We've been looking, and it's an ugly picture. And I'll be honest with you, I couldn't, I couldn't handle another message on the apostates tonight. So we're going to pause on the apostates. We'll probably revisit them next week. We've got about two or three more messages we'll be done with the book. But, you know, the book of Jude's a tough little book. If you've been in every study, I mean, it is tough stuff. I mean, Jude wants to write about the common salvation. But he's got to write about these men that crept in unawares and they're denying the grace of God and the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're trying to infiltrate. And they're just the, the, the picture of these people. They're like Cain and Korah and Balaam and all these people. And so I thought what we'd do tonight is we would take a little bit of time and we would talk about beating discouragement. You know, we're in the middle of winter. And uh, my dental hygienist, we go, we went in the dentist yesterday. She was talking about how I was asking her about the weather and was she enjoying the weather. She talked about how it made her feel better, just the, the warmer weather. And it does, doesn't it? I mean, when it's not cold, you can get out the sun shining and, and it's a beautiful week. It does kind of help you lift your spirits a little bit. But maybe you're having some blues and blahs tonight. Maybe you're having a little bout with discouragement or you're going to soon. I hope tonight will be a help to you. I want to talk to you tonight about beating discouragement. If you're down in the dumps or you're getting ready to go down in the dumps or you're just coming up out of the dumps, hope tonight will help. Psalm 105, we obviously don't have time to look at the entire psalm. Uh, you're looking there at uh, 45 verses, and we just don't have that much time. But let me give you a quick summary of what this is all about. Psalm 105 was written to the Israelites. Uh, verse 6 talks about that it was to the seed of Abraham, his servant, uh, you children of Jacob, his chosen. It speaks of the Abrahamic covenant in chapter nine. You know, God made a covenant with Abraham. I'll bless you. I'll multiply you. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Abrahamic covenant. And you go through Psalm 105. You took the time to read it and you go through the history of God's people. It speaks of Joseph. It speaks of Moses. It speaks of Aaron. It speaks of the plagues that God brought upon Egypt. And I like what it says at the end of it, beginning at verse 43. It says in verse 43, he brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles and they inherited the labor of the nations that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. And that's how the psalm ends. Psalm 105. And, and, and as you go back, though, and look at the very first five verses where I want us to look tonight, I noticed some very practical things that we can do as believers, as Christians, that will help us. To beat discouragement. These are things you can do beginning tonight, beginning right now. So I want to give you these seven things. You might want to jot them down. You might want to mark them. And this will help all of us to beat discouragement. Uh, and so let's get started here. Let's read the first five verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. 
Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done. Seven things we can do to beat discouragement. Number one, be thankful. Be thankful. Verse one says what? Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Now, some of you might be disappointed and say, well, preacher, that's that's I was hoping for something exciting, something dynamic. I mean, you're just going to say be thankful. Well, listen, it may not be something new, but it's certainly something exciting. You know why? Well, it's exciting because we have something to be thankful for and we have someone to be thankful to. Think about that tonight. We have some things, many things to be thankful for and someone to be thankful to. Do you ever think about an atheist? You know, so atheist, someone who believes there's no God. Somebody said a bad moment for an atheist is when he, th- he feels grateful and has no one to thank. I mean, think about that. Who's he going to thank? Who's he going to praise? I mean, he's got maybe something going on good. Who's he going to rejoice in? Let's be honest for a moment. Are we thankful? Are we thankful for what God has given to us? He says there in this verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Sometimes we're like the little boy who was asked by his father to say the blessing over the food. And uh, the family's there and they're waiting. And the little guy took a moment and he eyed all the dishes on the table and looked at all the food that was there. And then he bowed his head and he closed his eyes and he prayed this prayer. Lord, I don't, li- I don't like the looks of it, but I thank you for it. And I'll eat it anyway. Amen. Uh, sometimes we're like that. We look at our lives, we look at what's going on, and say, you know, I'm not really thankful for it. And we're kind of half-hearted about it. I was kind of half-hearted when I said that Sunday. And I repent now, but, uh, you know, Lord, this is your church, and you can do whatever you want to. You can burn it down, you can flood it, you can do whatever you want to do with it. I thought about, we were at the pastor's conference uh, there in Jacksonville, and Fred Luter, who is a pastor in New Orleans, and also the president of our seminary there, uh, I can't remember his name for the life of me, they were sharing with us about when Katrina came through, and about all that they faced, and all that they saw, and how, you know, they went to bed one night, and there they have, you know, their pastor of this large church, and the whole congregation, and, and, and this wonderful ministry that God has, and they woke up the next day, and it was all gone. And not only that, their home was gone, their ministry was gone, their job was gone, everything was gone in an instant. Uh, The seminary, you know, students displaced, staff displaced. And they were talking about the the challenges and the struggles. And um, was it Fred? Fred or was it the president of the seminary had such struggles, Danielle? That was the president of the seminary. Talk about how low that took him and how he had to really wrestle with the Lord. It's just sitting there at the hotel where they finally made it to safety and was sitting there watching. And the struggles he went through, this discouragement is real. And uh, our hearts are not in thanking God sometimes. But we have so much to be thankful for. We could take the rest of our time tonight. We could take the next 30 minutes and, and really the next 30 days. And we could not have enough time to write down every blessing that God has given us. We couldn't do it. We could start with surface things, start with things just off the top of our heads, and we just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't believe we could exhaust the list of God's blessings. You get under the very minutest detail of science and so forth, how God created even uh, the, the species of plants and everything. We might have oxygen. I mean, think about how God orchestrated everything. We should be thankful. When discouragement comes, stop, look around, and be thankful. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lift up your voice to Him. Count your blessings, literally. So we're to be thankful. Number two, be prayerful. 
Be prayerful. Look at verse 1 again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Do you call upon the Lord every day? Do you cry out to Him every day? Could part of our discouragement be the fact that we do not pray enough? Could that be part of it? Some folks like a little boy who his pastor asked him if he prayed every day. And the little boy looked at him and said, no, not every day. Some days I don't want anything. And uh, <laughs> at least he's honest. At least he's honest. He's more honest than some of us. Uh, we need to storm the gates of heaven on our knees. We need to cry out to God. I was gripped by something I once read from Leonard Ravenhill. This is awesome. Listen to this. The church has many organizers, but few agonizers. Many who pay, but few who pray. Many resters, but few wrestlers. Many who are enterprising, but few who are interceding. People who are not praying and praying. He said the secret of praying is praying in secret. A worldly Christian will stop praying, and a praying Christian will stop worldliness. Tithers may build a church, but tears will give it life. That's the difference between the modern church and the early church. In the matter of effective praying, never have so many left so much to so few. Brethren, let us pray. And he is absolutely 110% right. We live in a day where it's always this program or this whatever is going to be the answer. Beloved, the answer is prayer and the word of God. That's the answer. The Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the word of God. The leadership of God. And so, you know, we don't discount programs. We're running programs right now. We've got Team Kid. We've got his teams. But listen, we don't use people to build programs. We use programs to build people. It's all about God's word. It's all about God's will, God's church, and God's Holy Spirit working in our hearts and lives. And so we need to pray. When you get discouraged, we need to turn to prayer. When you find yourself down in the dumps, you need to cry out to God and tell him. Be honest with him. He knows. He can handle it. You're not telling him anything he doesn't know. Cry out to him about what you're struggling with. How many of you ever rung, rung the, uh, the, the bell here at Red Hill? Most everybody here give a tug on that rope. Um, somebody who's done that will appreciate what C.H. Spurgeon said about prayer. He said, prayer pulls the rope down below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. And here's what he said. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so languidly. Others give an occasional jerk at the rope. But he who communicates with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. It's a good picture there. You know, how are we ringing the prayer bell, if you will? Once in a while we run by and give it a tug. Uh, we kind of scarcely, you know, barely pull on it. Or do we go by and we just constantly ringing that bell constantly and continually. When you get down, look up. When you get down, look up. So what does it say there in Psalm 105? Give thanks to the Lord. Be thankful. Call upon His name. Be prayerful. Third, be testifying. Be testifying. Notice verse 1 again. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Look at the end of verse 2. Talk of all His wondrous works. That's a glorious sound, by the way. I hope it's not distracting. Did they hear me once? <laughs> Be testifying. Be talking about the Lord to everybody. Talk to the Lord about to the lost person. Share your testimony. Share what God has done for you. Share what God is doing for you. Um, we should include in our thought of being testifying the thought of talking about what we're learning about in God's Word. Uh, what did you learn about in Sunday school on Sunday? Do you remember? 
Uh, what did we talk about during Sunday morning worship? Do you remember? Don't answer. Um, what are you learning on Wednesday nights? Are you sharing those things with the people? Do you ever share with anyone what the Lord is teaching you in your quiet times, in your prayer times, through your own personal Bible reading? Um, if you're not doing that, if you're not having a personal Bible time, personal, no wonder you're discouraged. Uh, you need to be in God's Word to be growing, feasting on the Word. Why is it, let me ask you this, why is it that it's so uncommon for so many to talk about the Lord in a regular conversation? Now, some people don't have that challenge. You know, they, they talk about the Lord a lot. But some of us, we have to be very intentional. And maybe we're talking about everything else and we try to intentionally maybe try to get some in. Why doesn't that just flow out of our lips and our hearts? I think because maybe we're not where we ought to be spiritually. Um, I think it was said of John Bunyan. You, know, you have to look this up because I don't remember. But they say if you cut him anywhere, you know, he, he, his, his blood was like Bibline. It was like the Bible. I mean, he just oozed with the word of God. Why is it that our conversation is not more about the Lord? Is it because we're not thinking about him as we ought? We're not in his word as we ought? Any thoughts there? A lot of times we're restricted due to work. Well, there is that. There is that. But uh, there are times during work that you have that freedom, uh, during a lunch break or during outside time. But I understand what you're saying. You, you were a school teacher in a public school. I understand what you're saying. Sure. Any other thoughts along that line? So what you doing. It's easy for me to talk about cows and chickens <laughs> yeah. all the time, and I bring that up mighty easy. So yeah. if you had the Lord on your mind all the time, then you would flow out of you. Whatever's in comes out, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, and we're not saying that we don't have the Lord, but maybe we're just not, we're not feasting and thinking about it. We're to meditate on Him and His Word. One thing that probably helped us if we were to memorize and meditate on Scripture. Whenever we say something like that, people say, well, I have a bad memory. I heard a pastor recently said that if we gave you fifty dollars for every verse you memorize, people's memory would be so much better. You know, their memory would just improve. Uh, we can memorize, but you know, filling our hearts and lives with God's word. You know, sometimes I wonder just how much do people talk about it in their own home. You know, Dexter and I—we're constantly. I can't remember a time in our life when we didn't. I mean, it was. Yeah. Just, but I mean, I know some people are surprised. And they don't even know what their mate thinks about things. Yeah. And I just can't imagine. Well, don't you think busyness plays a, a lot in this, too? We're too busy to talk about the Lord or think about the Lord because the world, that's another one of the devil's tools, I believe. You know, he priced uh, discouragement pretty high, but I think busyness would be a pretty high one, too, don't you? If he can keep us running and keep us going and not give us time to think or be able to talk. That's a good point, Mr. Teresa. I hadn't thought about that. I'm, Dexter said good too, and I mentioned that last when I had to do your Wednesday night mm-hmm. service. Yes. When he had the um, service, he, he mentioned the cup. His cup yeah. was still, but he had Dexter in it. Mm-hmm. He never had completely poured out self and filled it up with spirit. Yeah. That's, that's a good illustration. Yeah, that yeah. A little third of us that are still in this cup that won't let us fully. Yeah. Do what you're saying. Yeah, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit rather than self, we surely are going to talk about Christ because the Holy Spirit always points people to Christ. Always. He always points people to Christ. And he always leads according to his word. Uh, so that's a good point, too. You know, our, we're, we're, we're not possibly spirit-filled. Um, here's a good thought. Is it, is it possible to be spirit-filled and be discouraged at the same time? Chew on that a while. That's... That's. When you look back at the prophets, they were. They were. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit 
always uh, as a child of God. Uh, I think many of our failures, as been said before, are prayer failures. Um, but you're right. You look at Scripture. Uh, I think about Elijah, uh, that mighty prophet of God who won the great battle up on Carmel against the prophets of Baal. And you read on the very next little bit. What's he doing? He's running for his life from Jezebel. And he gets to a point where he cries out that God would take his life. Uh, that's the good thing about it. If you being cursed tonight, if you do grow discouraged, you're in good company. Uh, because many, Charles Spurgeon, that I quoted earlier, uh, had bouts with, with this kind of uh, thing. Um, another uh, one in Scripture. I'm trying to think. There's another prominent example. My mind's drawing a blank. That's not surprising. One well, named Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah. The weeping prophet. Look at David. How many times he got discouraged. Yeah, he did. That's a good one. That's one where it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Uh, remember, because all of his companions and compadres are ready to turn on him and to encourage himself in the Lord. You know, we never read about it, though, and that's what's interesting. We preach through Joseph's life. Joseph and Daniel are two that we never read about them sinning, although we know they did because they were human. Um, but you don't, I don't remember reading anywhere where it says he was discouraged. Surely he had to be. In the dungeon, falsely accused, but we don't read about it. Daniel, plucked as a young man from his own home, taken off to this place, lived there for many, many years. But we don't read it, do we, that he was discouraged. That I recollect. Do I recollect reading about Daniel or Joseph? So the victory uh, can be ours through Christ and through his spirit. Good thoughts there. I, I, hate to, I used to use the scripture uh, when I would give testimonies when we go to Labor Bibles. Uh, make known his deeds among the people. Uh, remember his marvelous works. And I told our Sunday school when we'd be talking that as a believer, there should be times in your life when you know the Lord's hand was so definite. Mm-hmm. And you should be able, like if you get discouraged, you should be able to go back or somebody is making, if your mind's getting where, you know, was this really... It's just really God. There should be times in your life you can think back, just like he brought back the things with the uh, Israelites, that you know he was working. Yes. And you can go back and think on those, and then it encourages you, mm-hmm. you know, to know you saw what he was doing in your own life, and you should have that in your heart, so that when Satan comes against you, you can think about these times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, you should maybe even have a little list somewhere you can go back and, you know, read it. We're going to talk about that later on, but you're absolutely right. Um, that's one of the seven I'll give you in, in a few minutes, but you're absolutely right. If you can look back on God's hand of his guidance in your life, his provision in your life, um, where he's brought you from, uh, it is an incredible encouragement. Um, but you have to you have to take sometimes the initiative to maybe record those things, write those things down, a book of remembrance. Remember when they, when they crossed over, they took the stones, or was it out of the river uh, Jordan? When they crossed over, they put those stones of remembrance, and what were they for? Well, when the next generation came, what are all these stones for? Well, this is where God did these things. Um, Ark of the Covenant is another situation where they would put the different elements in. Larry, look, you want to say something? Patience. Oh, well, yes. Impatience plays a big part in discouragement, doesn't it? Certainly, if you can ever get there, if you can ever get there and learn a little patience and just give him time to work his work and you just sit there, that's a big mountain you can climb. (laughs) You pray that prayer, Lord, make me patient, hurry up. (laughs) 
If you, yeah, unless you're a doctor, unless you're a doctor, you may not want to pray for patients, right? Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're going to learn. And that, that's a hard lesson to learn. Uh, that's, that's tough. Uh, we're impatient people. Uh, I was mentioning to Danielle about, you know, I brought out in that, I think it was when we were talking about finances, about steady plotting brings prosperity. In so many areas in our life, it's those little day-by-day things that we do that collectively lead to the end result. But the problem is you get discouraged along the way. Uh, okay, you exercise and you eat right today, but you still weigh the same. You do that for a week and then maybe you see a little bit of loss. But if you do that consistently over the year, it's amazing. People save a dollar this week. It doesn't seem like much, but they're able to put aside $2 the next week. But over time, steady prodding brings prosperity. Um, that's the Living Bible translation of one of those. But it, that comes back with patience. She mentioned about you know children in school. You know, they don't learn the entire alphabet and every bit of a course all at once, do they? You that talk, it's a little bit today and then a little bit tomorrow and then a little bit the next day and a little bit next week. And it's that collective. And and it's hard because we get impatient. We want to be done with it. But it's slowly but surely building a church, you know, uh, building a work for God as God works through you. That didn't happen in a moment. It's. Sunday, it's Wednesday, it's visiting people, it's meeting with people, it's reaching out, it's following up. And, and it's slow, and it's arduous, and it's toilsome. Steve, raising chickens, they don't deliver them today and pick them up tomorrow, do they? It's day after day. Um, selling tractor supplies. Uh, ridding the world of crime. Every day. Yeah, I mean, it's just on... But that, you, you're right. I didn't have. But you're right. Impatience, enduring the preacher's message. Patience. That's a good point. Y'all bring out some great points. I didn't have in here. We're, we're adding these to our notes as we go through. Be testifying. Talk about the Lord. Number four. I love this one. This is one that helps me. I think it'll help you. Be singing. Be singing. What's it say there in verse two? Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Or sing psalms to him. Uh, we need to be singing people. Uh, this is probably one of the greatest things that helps me when I start to get discouraged, to sing some of the great hymns, gospel songs, uh, praise and worship, whatever ministers to your heart and life, to be singing those. Uh, hum them, whistle them. If you can't sing, just do the best you can. Uh, Larry sings a lot, doesn't he? Larry sings a lot. Yeah, Larry sings a lot. Yeah. Did, did you get out and ride your bike the other day, Larry? I, I told him I was expecting to see you any minute. That pretty day we have. You been on your bike? Oh yes. Okay, I thought you would have. That helps too. That's not in my list, but getting out in the fresh air and exercise helps. But yeah, singing, having a song on your heart. And I don't mean just any music, because some songs you can sing. Man, they'll discourage you. I mean, some of the songs, the modern day songs, and I, I'm not going to date myself. I have in my notes some of the like, country songs, but if I give them, I'll date myself. Go ahead. Well, he must know something about that, hasn't he? Does. He does. He just turned Yes, if you're not singing, now you got a good example. Uh, you need to be singing. Um, 
Yeah. When you sing what a friend we have in Jesus and realize what happened to the man who wrote that song. Yeah. And uh, it is well with my soul. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll Makes you feel a little bit better about your situation, doesn't it? It'll humble you, thinking that, you know, you think, well, what am I thinking? Yeah. You know, here I have got a little something happening, and oh, yeah. this man lost four daughters yeah. in a shipwreck, you know. And those are, if you want to get those books, are easily, there's many different ones you can pick one up and do. Devotion it is a pretty awesome to... Yeah, you can listen to them and they'll give you the history behind the hymn. And and many of those hymns and songs were born out of great adversity uh, and great struggle and great challenges. Uh, Slave trader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Newton. I want you to notice what it says. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. I know Danielle sometimes, I'm assuming you emphasize this with the choir, when they sing when we sing on Sundays, we're not just singing to each other. I mean, it does bless us. There is a ministry aspect of singing. But ultimately, we're singing to the Lord. We're praising God. We're to sing to Him. We're to sing psalms to Him. And so it takes the focus off of our problems. I gave you that quote Sunday from Adrian Rogers. Glance at your problems, but gaze at your God. That's awesome. Glance at your problems. They're there. You, you know they're there. But don't spend all your time there. Because if you spend your time gazing at your problems, that's where discouragement comes. But if you glance at the problems and gaze at your God, the problems just don't seem so insurmountable anymore. Uh, when you look at your great God, your problems don't look so great anymore. Uh, they may be overwhelming to you, but they don't overwhelm Him. Uh, he spoke the world into existence. He holds your life in His hand. Yeah, he's making your heart pump and your lungs work. So, sing to Him. I think we'll all agree that's a great one. Sing to him. Be singing. And then that goes right along with number five. Be joyful. Be joyful. Look at verse three. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. We have something to rejoice about tonight. We've got something to be happy about tonight. Our sin is forgiven. If we know Jesus Christ, our sin is forgiven. Our home is heaven. I want you to think about that. We lose sight of that. Why? Because of all the problems, all the stuff we deal with. Listen, folks, this isn't our home. This is not our home. We're just passing through. A Christian should be the most joyful person in all the world. Now, there are times of heartache and sorrow. Uh, if, you lose, if you lose a loved one, you certainly should grieve and, and mourn for your loss. But at the same time, you're still joyful. There's a difference between joyful and happiness. We've talked about it many times. Uh, happiness depends on what happens, your circumstances, but joy is found in the Lord and that constant joy that comes from him. A fellow by the name of Malcolm Muggeridge. You, you often hear that name. Do you ever heard uh, Ravi Zacharias? Uh, very deep. He'll, he'll sometimes mention Malcolm Muggeridge. Well, Malcolm Muggeridge was a Marxist before he found Christ. And he was greatly talented in journalism. And it, it made him, eventually, it led him to write some masterpieces for Christ. But before he wrote for Christ, he wrote for Stalin. And during the Cold War, he went to Russia to do a story on the Communist Party and the dying religion in that atheistic empire. And after he completed his interviews with the people in the Kremlin, he went to a Russian Orthodox service on Easter. So he was over there to write the story about the dying religion and the Communist Party and so forth. And he goes to a Russian Orthodox service on Easter. And the church was packed. I mean, it was Easter. Uh, But the church was packed. At the end of the service, a priest shouted, Christ is risen. And he said the people yelled back, He is risen indeed. 
And Muggeridge looked into their faces and instantly realized that they were right and Stalin was wrong. He said it was the reality of their joy that tipped the scales of his soul toward Christ. The reality of Christian joy is most compelling. Now, here's what I thought as I read that. What if he had been in our church that Sunday? What if he had been in our church that Sunday? Because he said when he looked in the faces of the people, when he saw the joy of the Lord in them, he knew that Stalin was wrong and that Christ was the answer. What if he popped into Red Hill one Sunday morning? Would he see the joy of the Lord? Would he see that in us? Billy Sunday said, if you have no joy in your religion, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Think about that for a moment. If you're living with unconfessed sin in your life, no wonder you've lost joy. You need to pray like David, restoring to me the joy of thy salvation. It's good. The God, the Holy Spirit is convicting you and you, you, know, you need to confess that, get rid of that and walk in joy. Remember what we have. Remember that we have Christ and we have heaven and we have all eternity uh, to be spending with him. Be joyful. And then um, six here, be seeking God, be seeking God. We're going to move on here so we can get out on time. Verse four, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Seek God. In other words, seek to know him and his power. Now, some might be thinking, well, how do I do that? How do I get to know God? I'll never forget what one fellow said in a youth conference I attended years ago. It was a conference for youth leaders and so forth. And he had this statement to say, when you first hear it, it sounds kind of weird. He said this, don't study the word of God. Now, right away, you think heretic, right? I mean, what preacher is going to say, don't study the word of God? But he didn't stop there. He said, don't study the word of God. He says, study the God of the word. Think about that. Don't study the word of God. Study the God of the word. In other words, when you approach the scripture, you're not just coming to learn facts and figures. I mean, that's fine if you know what the plagues were and all that. But I mean, you're coming to learn and have a good relationship with God. And so when you come to the word of God, you want to seek God, seek to know him. You want to come to his word. You want to devour the word of God. We don't come just looking for information. You know, there's lots of information. We can know all the facts and figures. We're coming to God's word, seeking that the Holy Spirit will bring about transformation, transforming us, making us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's a great goal. When you come to God's word and you do that on a daily basis, come seeking every day to get to know God better than you knew him yesterday. Now, we have all of Christ, we have all of the Holy Spirit. We're born again, we're saved, but we're to grow in our relationship with him. And so I come each day and I come to the word of God and I want to seek to know him better. And it says what in that verse? It says, seek his strength. Now, there's a key too. if we're walking in our strength. We're probably going to get discouraged. Why? If we're walking in our strength, we're probably going to get discouraged. Why? Because we're weak, we fail, we fumble, we falter. We can't go forth in our strength. Our strength is weak and limited. We must go forth in his strength. I love what A.C. Dixon said, the great preacher from days gone by. Listen to what he said. When we rely on organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely on education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do and so on. He said, I'm not disposed to undervalue any of those things in their proper place. But listen, when we rely upon prayer, we get what God can do. You see the difference again? 
It's relying on Him, resting in Him. So I ask you tonight, don't answer out loud, who are you relying on? Is it you? Is it, you're going to muscle through, you're going to be, you're going to make it through, or are you saying, listen, I can't make it, I'm going to rely on the Lord. I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit and His indwelling in my life and filling me. I'm going to rely upon the Spirit of God. Real quickly, be thankful, be prayerful, be testifying, be singing, be joyful, be seeking. I hope you're already feeling better if you were down the dumps tonight. If not, we'd have prayer for you when we're close uh, later on. Number seven, and we come to yours, Miss Teresa, be remembering. Be remembering. Verse five, remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Be remembering. What has the Lord done for you? What has the Lord done for your family? She mentioned it earlier. We need to be setting up some stones of remembrance. Now, I know some people actually do this. I, I know I've heard of churches that actually have a huge pile of stones and people will take a stone and write on there that, you know, God healed my spouse of cancer and they'll put it on there and that kind of thing. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, we haven't done that here. We've got a bunch of carpet and some padding. I mean, we can, we got some stones right outside the place right there, don't we? But listen, but that's the idea. Remember, as they crossed over, they put those stones of remembrance. One practical way to do that, and you kind of hinted to this, an easy way to do this is every day, this is something you could do if you wanted to, every day, write down one thing the Lord did for you that day. Just one thing. Uh, jot it in your notebook, jot it in your journal, jot it down somewhere, put it on the fridge, whatever. Just say, you know, today God did this for me. And imagine if you did it every day for a week. You'd have seven things written down, right? Did it for a month, depending on what month it is. You might have 30 or 31 things written down. Imagine you did it over a year, and she brought it out. When you get in a down spot in your life, now imagine if you had those all ready to go, and you went back. Now I, have, I have a journal, and I don't write in it every day. And I don't even write in it faithfully. Just be honest with you. I write in it whenever I want to write in it. Um, but sometimes when I get that thing out, and I'll turn back, and I'll look at how God has worked in my life, and I'll look at things that God has brought me to God, excuse me, look at things that God has taught me. It is a great encouragement to see God's hand at work in your life. And if you deal with chronic discouragement, I would encourage you to, if you don't write it down, at least every day take the time to think of one thing and praise Him for it and thank Him for it. God, I thank you today for this. I, I thank you for my health. I thank you for my children. I thank you for my church. I, I thank you for my health. I thank you that my mind still works. It, it struggles at times, but it still works. I thank you that I was able to move and come in tonight. I, I thank you that I had a good day. I didn't hurt as much today as I normally hurt. I, I thank you, Lord, that you met this financial need in my life. You see, you get the idea? When you did, How in the world could we get so far down the dumps? When you begin to look at all of God's glorious workings in your heart and your life. So let's summarize real quickly. We're trying to beat discouragement. Okay? Put on the boxing gloves and beat discouragement. Here's how we do it. Be thankful. Christian, be thankful. Be prayerful. Be testifying. Be singing. Be joyful. Be seeking God. And be remembering God's blessings in your life. And you know what? I was thinking about as we, as we close tonight. If you spend your time doing that, you don't have much time to be discouraged, do you? I mean, you've got a song in your heart. You've got a praise for the Lord on your lips. Your heart is full. Your life is full. And yes, things can go on. Things can happen around you. But you have the joy of the Lord as your strength. You're rejoicing in Him. 
we got a minute or two. Any comments? I'm talking about being remembered. I've wrote stuff in my Bible uh, one time when Mama was going through some surgery and all. I took my Bible to the hospital when I was reading it. And I've got in there now and I flipped back through and forgot I wrote it in there. But yeah. there was a, a verse that I read and I said, I wrote a date on it. Yeah. It said, today, this verse helped me. Yeah. Uh, or, and I think there was one in there when Maddie was born. And I wrote in there and now I look back at it. Yeah. You know, and, and every time you look at it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a remembrance. Yeah, it's a remembrance. It's straight from Scripture, too. I mean, yeah. But, uh, but I, I, something else, I think, too, talking about writing in your Bible. I mean, I, we talk to Maddie all the time about the Lord, but I wondered if I was to die when I leave here tonight, could she get my Bible and tell how much I love the Lord yeah. just by having my Bible when she grows up and looks at it? Yeah. And sometimes I think it's sad because there's so many books that's not marked. Yeah. Because I haven't got to them at yeah. that time. But, you know, I got something I'm trying to work on and study more. But That's a good thought, Steve. I mean, we're going to leave all this behind, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, for our work, for even our Bible and our journals, we're able to testify for God's glory. God can use those in the life of mm-hmm. our children and grandchildren and others who come across them. That's one of the neat things. If you've ever collected old books, is finding what people wrote in old books and old Bibles. Uh, finding what they what they thought were treasures and they put in books and Bibles. I've got a couple of Bibles over there. I think I've got a marriage certificate and, and one from somebody. I don't know who these people are. You know, just the old Bibles. But, yeah, there are books. And people like a lot of clovers, too, and plants and flowers. But anybody do that in their Bible now? I'm just curious. That's got to be an old-timey thing. Do you all press plants and things in your Bible? You still do? I don't see much of that. But a lot of the, the ones that I have purchased, they have all kinds of things pressed. I don't think people do that. I think most people just mow it down. <laughs> they don't have time to press anything. They just mow it on down or get somebody up to mow it down. Any other thoughts tonight? Was this encouraging to you? I hope it would be a help to you. And like I said, if you weren't discouraged before you came in tonight, you might wake up discouraged tomorrow. You say, oh, can I go to work again? Well, just say, well, I need to be singing. If worst comes to worst, call Larry. And uh, he'll sing you a tune and sing you a song. I'll tell you something you helped me with more than that night. There's some school lessons I feel like I've been struggling with. And you said when you go in there and go teach me, it's mighty easy to get in there and look for the stats. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of seeking God. Yeah. Because some things we just don't know the answer. Because you think you're going to be this great teacher and have all these stats and information and there's nothing wrong with that in its place, and, and that's okay, but you're right. If we get just that, it, it's all about transformation. It's all about seeing people transformed, um, and that's something we always have to remember. Thank you. Y'all brought some really great points out uh, tonight, and I appreciate your input. And I want to close in prayer and uh, pray one for another, because that's something we talk about, but praying for one another is a great encouragement as well. Sometimes just putting your arm around a brother or sister in Christ and say, listen, I'm praying for you. And I care for you. That can go just amazing to help someone know that that someone cares. Father, we love you and praise you and thank you for this time in your word tonight. Thank you for putting Psalm 105 in your word. Uh, Thank you for the instruction we find there and the working that you did in the lives of your people. uh, Bringing them out of Egypt with a strong hand, bringing them to where you wanted them to be. Uh, Help us, Father, as we go through our day-to-day lives, as we have to face discouragement from time to time. Help us to beat it by focusing upon you. 
Thank you for these men and women and their encouragement tonight and in, in interacting with the scripture. Uh, help us to love your word and to honor it and to share it with everyone we come in contact with. Bless the choir now as they practice, as they prepare. Lord, it's, uh, they sing unto you and sing praises to you. I pray that you would just give them strength and grace. I pray for each one as they go their separate ways tonight, that you'd watch over each one and keep us safe. Uh, be with the families that uh, will uh, be going their separate homes. Bless their homes and uh, help them, Lord, in all ways to honor you. We love you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.